0: Welcome to a Directions Mag podcast. We're happy to bring this valuable resource back to you as we celebrate our 20 years in the geospatial community. Today we have the honor of hearing from the ERISA Vanguard Cabinet and a panel of young professionals as well as experienced folks to share their insights and recommendations in getting your GISP. Now I'm going to turn it over to Tori Elmore, who is the chair for the Vanguard Cabinet and the newest young professional of the year for Eurisa.
1: My name is Tori Elmore. I'm the current chair of the Vanguard Cabinet. Um, URIS's Board of Young Professionals and I'm really excited that that we've been able to host this podcast series and, and continue it today with the GISP certification.
2: It's a pleasure thank you so much for having me this is Bill Hodge I'm executive director of GISCI I operate from an area in the Permian Basin of West Texas my home is my office and wherever I am that's where GISCI is centered for that day I am a GISP, having had that certification since 2010. I am a non-academic geographer. This is my third profession, and I came in as an outsider into the world of GIS. I needed a credential that gave me street creds in the industry, and I found the GISP early on, went through the Penn State program, and emerged to where I am today. And it is a pleasure to be visiting with everyone to describe the benefits and possible limitations of the GISP.
1: Great. Thank you so much, Bill. Um, Matt, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself?
3: Uh, Sure. Uh, Matt Gericke, currently at uh, William & Mary, uh, teaching uh, GIS and data science Uh, background. uh, Before that is uh, managing GIS shops in local government and working in state government. And uh, I do not have a, a GISP, um, but it's uh, coming at it from the perspective of uh, when you see one, uh, what that means when you're going through the hiring process and uh, and how that can help you out.
1: Great. Thank you, Matt. Kim?
4: Yes. Uh, Kim McDonough. I'm currently with the uh, Tennessee Department of Transportation. I'm a uh, senior IT manager. Uh, I I came into GIS as I was studying landscape architecture at NC State in 1981, Uh, so I've I've been involved with the evolution of the technology and the profession. I've been a GISP since very early on. Uh, I was on the ERISA board when uh, we created the certification. And so everybody on the board at that time made the commitment to get their GIS fee. Um, I had always struggled with um, finding an identity as a GIS professional. Uh, Early on, I felt that it had evolved where it was more than just a specialized tool user that we were were practicing a profession, but we didn't have a good tag for that. Uh, Multiple uh, entities have attempted or have created different types of GIS certifications, but in, uh, for me, they never really applied to the work I was doing. I felt they were all too specialized. So, I was very enthusiastic about the GISP when it was created, and so I have have long supported that independent uh, status. For me, you know, it it creates kind of a a baseline. Designation of knowledge, experience, and education, uh, so that as, a, as someone that that hires GIS analysts, somebody's got a GISP that that tells me a lot of things about them with one fell swoop. So uh, that's kind of where I'm coming from on my background there. I, I'm so uh, I got my GISP in 2004.
1: Okay, great, thank you. So
4: 14 years now.
1: Oh my goodness. Okay, let's um let's go over to Mike. Olivia?
5: Hi, yes, this is Olivia. Um my name's Olivia DeSimone. Simone. I work for uh City of Altamont Springs, which is a small city just north of Orlando. Um I got my I've been here for 4 years now and I got my GISP about this time last year, so in January of 2018. Um, And before that, I graduated from Temple University in 2013 with a BA in Environmental Studies. Um, Moved home to Pittsburgh where I worked, or I did a GIS internship with uh, a Workforce Investment Board uh, before moving to Central Florida and uh, getting my current job.
1: Great, thank you.
6: Yes. Hi, this is Kaku Kissler. I am currently a GIS analyst with Santec Consulting out of their Kansas City office. And my background is that I got my master's degree in Geographic Information Sciences from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln in 2012. And right after that, I started working for the state government. I did that for just a brief period. And then after that, moved directly into the private Sector, and I've been in the private sector for a while. And like I said, right now I'm with Santa Consulting in Kansas City, in the Kansas City office, and I primarily work with water resources. And I also got my GISP certification, let me not forget that, uh, just a few months ago, June of this year.
1: Great, congratulations. Thank you. And then Shannon?
7: Hello, I'm Shannon Julius, and I'm a Geographic Information Systems Analyst for the City of Whittier in Southeast Los Angeles County. I do not have my GISP yet, but I did pass the test one week ago today, and I anticipate, I guess on the point total, I'm just a couple points shy, so I am not exactly sure how long it will take, but I'm thinking in a couple of months. I'll probably complete the application, you know, submit my application, I should say, to GISI. I also have a master's, uh, an MS in geographic information science from California State University, Long Beach.
1: Great. Congratulations to you as well. Um Mike my- Uh so Mike
8: Doolin here. Um, I work for the US Army Corps of Engineers in our Kansas City district. Um I started here in 2009, right after I finished grad school. Um, For the first nine years of my career here, I worked in our geospatial branch as an analyst. And then I just recently made the switch to full-time emergency management. So that's what I'm doing now. And I got my GISP in 2016. I believe it was either the first or second round of tests offered, but uh, I passed it and I was very thankful for that.
1: Great. Thank you. The GISCi stands for the GIS Certification Institute, correct?
2: That is correct.
1: Perfect. And so maybe you could give us sort of an overview of the certification process. What's required from folks who are getting certified, and then w- why bother doing it?
2: A very appropriate question and follow-up. Let's start with an overview of the process. Anyone seeking to become a GISP professional with a certification is looking for a voluntary certification that consists of three components. In its simplest terms, before you have finished the process, you will have looked, reviewed and agreed with an ethics form and statement that we have provided It is a multiple page PDF document outlining what we consider the ethical requirements that are associated with a professional in the GIS world. You will have agreed with that. And then there are two other components that you will finish in any order you choose in order to become a GISP. You will start and complete an online portfolio application. The portfolio is our term for a document that covers a description of your education, your experience, and your contributions. Our contributions term is a short form of network and professional activities. We are convinced that an individual should be doing something rather than a full, simple nine-to-five job. You should be giving back to the profession in some capacity and that may be our memberships in geospatial organizations like URISA, connections or p- presentations with directions, magazines or conferences. But we have effectively reduced the application to a rubric with a series of minimal points required for education and experience and contributions. They are fairly straightforward. We have prescribed those minimums and the website will calculate those results for the individuals as they go through, making the process as easy as we can. You are simply documenting a portion of your career or your entire career should you do so to meet the minimum requirements that we have established in each area. That is a process that can start at any time in your career, but before your portfolio can be approved, You will show us that you have at least four years full-time equivalent experience in a geospatial position because we were convinced that it takes at least four years for someone to move from an entry-level position through a series of experiences so that they can begin to claim that they have mastery of their job. The third component that will be finished before you can obtain your GISP is to take and pass the GISC exam. The history of GISCI started with ERISA, and it's very appropriate that that is one of the the two distinguished organizations sponsoring this podcast today. ERISA started the conversation in the late 1900s. They added the, well, they determined that it was a successful program in 2003 with a pilot program. The GISCI was established in 2004 as a separate nonprofit organization specifically birthed to administer the GISP. An exam wasn't considered possible at that point, but the industry and the profession, as Kim so aptly put it a moment ago, had evolved and progressed to the point that in 2015, we added an exam to the process. We administer the exam twice a year in early June and early December, and it has become an overnight success because the industry has recognized that this is a true measurable component of a technical competency set to meet the minimum standards required. Now, the question, a very legitimate one, becomes why be certified? And it may well be that a certification is not for particular individual, that's something that at the end of the day, each individual looking at a geospatial certification, ours included, will determine whether it has value for them. To begin with, if someone is in the academic community, a professional certification of any kind will have less value than it will in the private industry because the academic community has a set of standards working with degree plans, and they have been established outside of the workforce more often than not. The majority of those seeking a GISP today come to the exam with a background 45% work in the consulting industry from a national or international capacity, and the geospatial firms working in the consulting realm have determined that it is of great value to have their staffs certified. It gives them an extra measure of credibility as they seek to respond to client proposals. The second group, most populous, is 30 to 35% coming from the government sector. And that includes the sectors all the way from the federal down to the municipal level. In this particular case, not every government organization recognizes the internal value of the GISP, many of those, some do and provide the GISP as a part of a job description in a desired or plus category, but many of them don't have that individual job recognition in the technical categories, and it's up to the individuals to determine the worth of a credential in helping them succeed to add to their resumes or to prepare for an outside job at another consulting firm. So the question becomes, what is your current occupation? Does your current employer recognize the value of a GISP, but if they do not, will you be working at that firm or with that group for the rest of your career? Is there a real possibility that you will be moving into a job sector that recognizes the GISP or creates or has a greater value for it and would it be in your benefit to start to prepare now for that later eventuality? For me, as I mentioned earlier, it provided a great deal of street cred to use the vernacular. As an outsider, I needed the recognition that came from a recognized and valid certification in the geospatial world. And for me, the GISP was the first choice and I even enrolled in the Penn State online certificate program in order to acquire the necessary skills and educational credentials in order to qualify.
1: Great. Thank you so much Bill. That that was a great a great overview. Great. And so since you mentioned it I think maybe we could we could talk a little bit about about the test because I think it's something that really scares people and and is relatively new, so let's open this up to talk about the test. Maybe starting out with how how did you find the test? You know, when when you said you wanted to see if you could pass it.
8: Well, what so kind of I knew that it was, did you uh, mean So I I knew that it was uh, becoming test based because uh, several people in my organization were trying to up their or. Uh, acquire their certification, we are getting notices, hey, do this before you have to take an exam to pass it um and all in good fun, there was a lot of ribbon going around in my department about you know oh it's a participation award uh anyway, so I was like, well, I better put my money where my mouth is and and take the exam but um to prepare for that uh i it it was pretty challenging. it took a lot of time. I went through that g i s uh the the body of knowledge. And line for line, went through the topics, researched them, some stuff I remembered, some things I had to look up, uh, filled out note cards, and probably spent anywhere from, I would say, 80 to 100 hours preparing for that test.
1: Wow, okay. And so I'll go ahead and I'll actually open this up to, to all the folks who have taken the test. Um, and so that would include, you know, Olivia and Kaku and and Shannon. What were some of the things that you did to prepare for it? How do you
5: study? Hi, this is Olivia. Um, I'll echo what um Mike just said. I feel that I also spent probably around eighty two hundred hours preparing uh the and I definitely started with the body of knowledge. Uh, the GISCi on their website, I believe under the exam info area, has a PDF uh, that lists the different areas that you'll be mapped in or you'll be uh, testing testing in, and delves into them a little bit deeper there. Um, but really, the real lifesaver for me when I took the test this time last year in December, 2017, was the uh, unofficial GISP study guide. Um, I know a lot of people who are taking the test now uh, really rely on that quite heavily. Um, It takes the body of knowledge and uh, delves into it even further uh, into the different topics that you're going to want to study. It has a little bit of information on everything, uh, but it's a really helpful uh, guide for you know, saying, I don't know a lot about that, and from there, you know, maybe going out and finding some more information to learn, uh, to jump into it a little bit more independently.
1: And let me just ask you, could you, what is the unofficial GISP study guide? I've not heard of that before.
5: Oh, that's kind of surprising. Um The GISCI actually listed it on their website. Um, GISCI, beyond a practice test on their website, they don't really have a whole lot of official study guide material. I know that that's been something I've heard as a little bit of a complaint. In the GIS industry, feeling that there's not enough to go off of, so when this unofficial study guide came along, people really um, started uh, relying on that a lot more. Uh, the GISCI did list it on their website as a resource, um, so it's unofficial. Uh, so you know they don't. Uh, it's not an official re- piece of material coming from GISCI, uh, but it's. Really comprehensive, it's really helpful. Like I said, it takes that body of knowledge and really starts um, kind of subdividing it into what falls into each area that you're going to want to look into. Because the body of knowledge is a good place to start, um, but it can be a little daunting, it's overreaching concepts, and you might look at it and say, I'm not really sure where to start looking. Um, The unofficial study guide is a great resource to kind of then dissect it into, you know, into more specific topics, um, as well as it provides a little description of these topics. And then from there, you can uh, find additional material to further, uh, you know, further substantiate uh, the different stuff that you're looking into. Uh, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, but from there, you can kind of find different um, websites to further um, expand upon the stuff that you feel like you might be lacking in the knowledge that you really want to reinforce.
1: Okay. Great. Thank you. Is there anyone else who has something different that they that they did to help them study or prepare for the test?
7: Yeah, I can chime in here. This is Shannon. And uh, so I just took the test last week. Um, I, I definitely agree with the unofficial study guide, which um, I, I think this guy, whose name is Niklas Nadas, just sort of started a Google Doc, made it public information on it uh, while he was going through the body of knowledge. And then I believe, although I'm not sure, that the GISCI maybe reached out and said, hey, can you make this look a little nicer? And uh, he put a title on the front that said unofficial study guide. And that was a great resource. It sort of walked through the, uh, the exam, the, the knowledge categories. There's sort of six big areas. And within those six areas, it breaks down into a number of more specific areas. And uh, looking at the information here, it says 44 specific knowledge areas. So the unofficial study guide walks through all 44, and just has a few notes on each one. And I found another resource online, um, also shared as a Google Doc, so if you're not freaked out by looking at people's public drives online, um, someone else called Micah Babinski just sort of did the same thing, walked through all 44 knowledge areas, wrote down his thoughts, um, or sort of you know, included links to Wikipedia or um Courses online or various sources that reflect the knowledge in those categories. Um, so those are both really great, sort of subjective based on the writer's work, but they're available online. Um, another source that was very interesting is the Penn State Open Source GIS textbook, which is um, got a really great name, and um, maybe someone knows it, but if if uh, but it's just sort of, it, it's a really, really great text, and it's awesome. They keep it open source. Um, so online, you can just sort of scroll through, and the chapters are typically very short, anywhere from a paragraph to a page. Uh, and it's just a good way to sort of get some knowledge of, you know, ba- geography and, um geodesy, which I'm not actually sure how to pronounce that word, Uh, and and all of these things that you maybe didn't learn if you didn't study geography in school, which I never did. I never studied geography in school, um, even though I went on to study GIS specifically. Um, So that's a great resource. And then the GISCI practice exam was very useful to get a sense of what the questions would look and feel like. Um, There's not a lot of questions, would love to have more questions to sort of practice applying the skills to the actual form of the questions, Um, but that was also a great resource. So, um, yeah, it's all very fresh in my mind uh, since since I just took the test, but um, between all of them, uh, you know, taking the test, there were still some questions that I didn't know the answer to, um, but the majority I would say I was confident with.
1: Great. Before we move on, is there anyone else who has, you know, re- resources, whether study guide or, you know, maybe a class they attended that they'd like to share with
7: us? Um, Reddit is a great resource for finding these resources online. That's all. Okay, great. Yeah, I
8: noted that too. That I was preparing.
4: Yeah, uh, this is Kim. Also, Eurisa has created a workshop uh, geared towards specifically preparing for the exam. We recognized once the exam out came out that we needed to help direct uh, uh, people uh, that were looking to get their certification now that they needed assistance in knowing what areas to focus on, where to find resources and all. So we're actively engaged in helping people prepare for that. Um, the exam also, I think, puts a challenge out there. In my in my opinion, to the universities that have GIS programs, uh, the academics I've talked to, I've, I've indicated to them that they've got an opportunity here to be able to say, "This is how many of our graduates have passed this exam," because it's pretty rigorous. Uh, when I look, when I saw it while we were finishing up the preparation and getting ready to roll out the first iteration. I was very impressed with the extensive uh, topic, uh, extent of the uh, topics in the exam. And uh, with one academic that was on the evaluation committee, he indicated that he probably needed to make changes to his program to meet the requirements of the exam. So I think overall, the exam is going to improve the quality of GIS professionals over time. Uh, If only through the the degree or the comprehensive uh, character of the university programs.
1: I actually attended the uh, day-long GISP certification workshop at GIS Pro this year, and it was a great experience for someone who really needed a crash course in all things GISP certification. So um, that was a great resource as well. What changes have you have you experienced since becoming a GISP or what benefits have you experienced from certification?
8: So first of all, uh I wanted to take the GISP after it became exam based or acquire my GISP after it became exam based, just as a personal challenge, kind of a knowledge check to see what I retained from grad school and what I learned over my career with the Corps of Engineers. And uh since it hadn't previously been uh, test-based, uh, I, I honestly I just I was really curious uh, what what was involved with it and wanted to take the test to see if I could pass it. Uh, second to that, uh, I took it for career advancement because in the division that I work in, uh, once you reach a certain level, you have to have some sort of professional certification to move forward, right? Um, and at that point, I decided. Well, now that the GISP is the test base, uh, I'll go ahead and try to acquire it, and I did, and was able to start moving up the ladder a little bit.
1: Bill mentioned the portfolio, and Shannon mentioned accumulating points. So, what are the kinds of things that I can do to accumulate points? And you know, what is how long does that process sort of take from start to finish?
6: Okay, thanks, Lori. I would say that it took a while. It took several weeks, close to a month, maybe even longer to get my whole portfolio together because I had to pretty much read out to my school, my grad school to get my, just filling out of, all of the information I had to, I used my undergraduate and my graduate information as, as well as my work experience and then reaching out to my school, my grad school to get my transcript to be able to fill out all of the courses that I had taken, to be able to get points for that. In addition, I also had to fill out information on conferences that I had attended, some presentations I had given, and that was the way that I was able to get to the, I think, 100 points or 50 points. I'm not quite so sure the exact number of points that I needed, but it was a combination of my academics, the amount of time I'd done, I'd been working professionally as well as conferences that I had attended. And that's how I was able to get to the required number of points. But that was, it was the website had it broken down very easily to where I knew what to put in. And it kind of, the process was pretty automated. And so once I had all the information, I was able to get it in pretty quickly and then hand it over to my supervisor to sign off. And then I was able to turn it in. For approval by GISci
8: oh I was just uh, I thought the portfolio piece was relatively easy to fill out online uh, gathering some of the information you know that they were that it required did take a bit of time um, i just happened to have my transcript on me so i could go back and remember all the classes i had taken and things like that so that was good uh, then also you know, in my division they make us keep logs of all the conferences we've attended uh, papers we've written uh, presentations we've given and stuff like that so so as I was, I found the portfolio piece pretty easy to to accomplish.
1: And to clarify, how many points do I need to get certified?
2: Tori, let me comment on that if I may. This is Bill Hodge from the portfolio. You need a total for a first-time GISP approval of 150 points overall. In the education sector, you need a total of 30 points, and For a quick description, you do not have to have a degree in order to become a GISP, however a degree makes it much easier and it provides a much more focused learning experience moving from the entry-level world of GIS up into the higher portions overall, in that 30 points for education for example, 20 points is provided for a bachelor's degree of any kind and qualifying courses after that uh, it, it, many people would call it double dipping are added and essentially someone who has a geography or a GIS degree four years from a university will have enough conference or course points plus their degree in order that they meet the education requirement overall the experience it may be a little more challenging. As I said, we have a four-year full-time minimum. And if you are working as an entry-level job for four years, you would not have enough points to meet the minimum requirement for experience because we divide jobs into three tier categories with an increasing number of points assigned per year. An entry-level job provides the lowest number of points The next level up, with more technical or sophistication in terms of the job requirement, has a higher number of points. The upper level job, where you would essentially be a programmer, database administrator, doing things in the highest level in the tech world, is the third tier component. A quick example to answer your question, how long might it take? We consider that it's reasonable for a six-year process from the time a person starts the clock ticking in order to obtain their GISP. Another way to say that is the clock starts ticking when one of two things happens. When you take and pass the exam, you now have six years in order to complete the full points to achieve your four years and the minimum points necessary for the portfolio. Or if you do qualify for the portfolio at the moment and you submit it and have it approved, then you have six years in which to study for, take and pass the exam. If that clock has started with your process and if you reach the end of that six years not having completed the entire program, you will start over from step one and enter into another six year program.
1: Okay, great. That is actually very, very specific and very helpful. So it sounds like Somebody who has some sort of geography degree has worked in above an entry level job for more than four years, might be in a relatively good position to pursue the GISP certification process. Does
2: that I would agree with that? that assessment? And in a case of that sort, the only timeline that they have to be aware of is how long it will take them to sign up for the exam recognizing that it's offered only twice a year. That becomes the chief obstacle and the timing for those who are in a position to have completed the portfolio requirements.
1: Great. Okay, so one thing that you you sort of mentioned was for first time GISP certification. And so I just wondered if we could talk briefly because I think we wanna focus mostly on people who have never been certified. But once I do get certified, What is the maintenance process
2: like? That's an excellent question. You are certified to begin with for a three year period during which you will start to acquire recertification points in the same three areas that you qualified the first time around. GISPs acquire points in the same manner and in the same way, but in a higher rate than first time applicants coming through You are recertified for a three-year period at the end of your first three-year period, and your point acquisition can be something that you can do on a continual basis throughout, which we highly recommend, or if you decided to wait until the very end then to qualify for all of the requirements, if you have the capability of doing that, How you recertify or how you obtain the points to recertify becomes your responsibility. But we consider that someone moving into the professional certification will operate at a professional level and start to plan her or his career on a regular basis to take account of exactly what they are acquiring and when and know exactly where they stand to be ready to continue with the certification process.
1: Okay. But I know there's also an expense associated with it. Is this something that I can ask my employer to help me cover the expense of doing and what arguments could I make to ask my employer? What what benefits should I share with my employer that that would justify my employer helping me pay for certification?
7: Well, first of all, I'm fortunate to have an employer that budgets things for professional association-related expenses, which is great. And I asked, and we have a relationship where, you know, she can tell me no, but in this case, the answer is yes, so that's good. It never hurts to ask. Um, as far as sort of the, 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 the logic behind it, um, sometimes as a city, there might be a situation where we need to contract out work, GIS work, or engineering-related work that has GIS components. And when we do things like that, we might, you know, need to look for uh, outside contractors that have a GISP certification or in a, you know, are sort of, or are competent in GIS. Um, So if in-house we have someone with similar certifications or comparable certifications, it might be a justification for cost savings to do things in house. Sometimes we have to ask ourselves, okay, is this worth doing in-house or doing to hire someone to do it? And, um, even though, you know, having employees is expensive, um, hiring someone to do a job when you already have an employee with the same certifications is uh, cost saving. So um, I, I, I like to emphasize, you know, Hey, when I get the GIST, look, I've got the certification. You're not going to, you might find someone with more specialized knowledge on a specific task on a specific um, application, but um, you know, we don't need to hire outside GILs help. In general. Um, so it's sort of, I don't know, it might not work for all employers, but for, for us it makes sense.
8: The other oh, yeah. thing that
3: uh, that kind of makes sense
7: here,
3: if, if I look at this as an employer and I have a younger GIS professional that comes to me and says, hey, I'm interested in doing this, you know, can can I use work time to help study for this, prepare for this? Can you help me pay the fees for the exam or whatnot? Um, that means a lot to me as an employer, seeing someone that has done GIS, may, maybe has a background in it, but wants to make that their career, make that their profession. Uh, and and so in some ways, even if the answer is no, uh, you you have the the, the possibility to really stand out to your employer, especially in larger organizations, if you show a, an interest or a commitment uh, to this type of professional certification.
1: Well, so I think that's a great segue, Matt, into your your sort of role as a, as a hiring manager and how important it is, is it to you when you're hiring someone that they have a GISP?
3: It's certainly part of the package that you look at when when people apply, if it's a a GISP or if it's a project management uh, certification or other technical certifications. um, One of the things that it does is that if if someone applies and and they have that certification, and especially if they've kept it up, uh, it really streamlines the process. You don't spend as much time as part of the interview cycle figuring out if if they really know what they say that they know, because they have that certification. It allows you to spend a little bit more time focusing on on the the, the, the people side and the intangibles that you need in a professional work environment beyond the technical skills you have. Now, how well do you work with other people? Uh, uh, what, what's your style of work? Uh, what types of projects do, do you prefer working on or, or what are your knit specialties? Um, and that really opens up time that you have towards uh, building those types of relationships uh, that are, are really more helpful if you're trying to find a, a, a good fit for key positions uh, in, in organizations.
4: Yeah, this is Kim. I will um, I I can confirm that. Uh, I mean, as I said before, if I, if I have an applicant that comes in and has the GISP, well, that answers a lot of my preliminary questions as far as you know um, what their education, whether they had the education and knowledge uh, for the position. But it also speaks that that tells me right up front, it's somebody that's very involved and committed to GIS as a profession, and not somebody that's using it as a simple. Uh, it, as another way to get work so to speak that is uh, it it some says it, it speaks to me about their commitment.
1: A question that I hadn't thought about occurred to me and it, it has to do with the software that people use. So I happen to be an ESRI person, but you know someone else on the call might be an open source person. Should I be concerned if I only use open source GIS, should I be concerned about my ability to pass the exam or or get the the number of portfolio points that i need for a gisp certification
2: we don't care what platform you use we are concerned about your knowledge and the fundamental ability of what you are doing with that package and why the exam is software agnostic in our terms and the other credentialing exams that you will find from ASPRS in the remote sensing world and from the USGIF in GeoIntel are both software agnostic. There is a fourth set of uh, credentials that you could get, which is ESRI based. I still consider it a very important addition to the certifications of the industry, but it is of a different type. It is software specific and it is restricted to a great deal of knowledge of the ESRI software. What I have found with the participants coming through and and what I found in my own personal existence, I became an expert ESRI button pusher, but that knowledge did not give me all of the background understanding necessarily that I wanted, and I sought training and education beyond that. And many people coming in with an ESRI background will find their technical capability more limited than they might like in trying to pass a rigorous software agnostic exam exam of the type that we put together. So I urge caution and urge every individual coming through to look specifically at our exam blueprint very carefully and the 44 KSAs that we have delineated as being, every question is written from one of those.
8: No exceptions. I think the GISP carries more weight now because it is all encompassing of the profession and it's not software centric.
3: There is another really good point there with what Bill brought up in terms of ASPRS having certifications and and Geo and having certifications, uh, and and all you know with those in the GISP that they're they're kind of touching on the uh, broad geospatial applications. It, it's probably worth noting that there are some other certifications that, as you plot your career path, that may be useful for you as you work with gis in certain areas Uh, becoming a certified floodplain manager and having that certification as a gis professional could really help you out in some ways to plot your career increasingly having a a part 107 and and being able to operate uh uh drones under the the uh the mantle of the faa and being able to use that in geospatial uh, uh implementations Uh, Also seems to be an an increasing, uh, increasing growth area.
4: Yeah, and actually that brings up a good point. of, Of, this does not have to be. In fact, depending on the route you're looking to follow in your profession, I think it's a good idea to look at multiple certifications. That is, you could. I think it would help a surveyor to not only have their surveying license but also their GISP. That speaks about an orientation in a knowledge base that's actually broader than if they just had the single credential. Uh, So that could be done in a variety of of areas. We have quite a number of people that have the uh, uh, American Institute of Certified Planners certification, the AICP, and their GISP. One, uh, in, in conjunction, they speak much louder to the person's capabilities than if they just had a single one of those uh, credentials
1: just ask one more question and well, what was the most challenging part for you about getting certified and what advice would you give someone else getting certified to help overcome that kind of challenge start with yeah. you Kim
4: well I'll I'll be frank and honest I I bailed and and took the grandfather clause because I'd already been working in GIS for like 2004 I'd already been in it like Twenty years at that point, but what I've emphasized to people is um, start just start collecting your documentation, get your get your um, transcripts uh, there's there's a lot of tools on the website now that help you evaluate what your what your progress is that you can do all of that beforehand get involved also that that's the other thing when I've talked to people their concern or where they seem to be struggling was in the area of uh, contributions go to conferences these things are um are at the state, at the local, at the national level, and don't just go to them, get involved in them. And that that begins to build up those points and get into that groove, get into that process before you start your, your GISP process, because that'll all begin to come together. But I've gotten, I got into the habit of, When I attended a conference, I scanned the program if I did a presentation or if I was involved in the program committee or the board, I scanned my name badge, and that showed me uh, that helped document my attendance. So all of that, just get into the habit of – and it's a good idea anyway. So just start that documentation.
1: Great. Thank you. What about Mike, your biggest challenge and advice to overcome it?
8: Uh, probably the exam preparation. Just in the, it took so many hours to go through that body of knowledge. But I will say, you know, take that body of knowledge seriously. Come through it and go over all aspects of the knowledge areas. Um, do the research and put in the time, and it'll make the test much easier when you go to take it.
5: Great, thank you, Olivia. Yeah, I'm going to echo pretty much both what Mike and Kim said. Um, first, prepping for the test was definitely the biggest challenge. Um, so going through the body of knowledge and the unofficial study guide is a great first step um, in prepping for the test. And then what Kim was saying, uh, documentation for your portfolio, it's so much easier even if you're just taking all the stuff that you're getting from attending conferences or courses and throwing it into a box, um, it's going to be so much easier to go through that stuff and organize it than if when you're coming up on uh, the time period that you can go and apply for your GISP, you're going back and you're trying to find stuff and you're trying to remember what you participated in. Ideally, you would be organized right from the get-go, but even if you're not and you're just, you know, compiling everything in a box or in a drawer, uh, that is alone helpful. And then also, I was lucky at my organization. My manager had already obtained his GISP. My organization had already bought into the benefits of the GISP, so If you are on your own, I feel that reaching out to someone who has already obtained their GISP for guidance um, would be a great resource. Uh, That way, when you're filling out your portfolio, as random questions come up, you can run it by them. They could probably help you with uh, finding reasons to substantiate why you feel you should get a GISP to your organization. So reaching out, finding some sort of a mentor would probably be a great resource for um, getting started on your path to the GISP.
1: Thank you, Olivia. I will take this moment then to shamelessly plug the Vanguard Cabinet's um, new mentoring program. So if you are someone listening to this podcast that is is not a part of an organization where you feel you have mentorship about the GISP certification, then please do look into joining the Vanguard Cabinets Mentoring Program. You can find more information about that on the Vanguard Cabinet website.
5: Did somebody have something to add? Um, But I actually am head of the Mentorship Committee for the Women in GIS organization. So that's another great resource Um, if you're interested in finding, you know, if you're um, interested in specifically finding a female as your mentor, or want to be mentored in things beyond just obtaining your GISP certification, um, such as thriving in the workplace. Um, our mentorship program recently went live uh, this year. Um, they have a student membership rate of twenty dollars, and the professional rate is only forty, so it's really reasonable. Um, and it's just a network of women working in GIS. So, Kaku, do you want to share?
6: I would say that the most challenging part for me was definitely the the exam um like Olivia said, organizing things, organizing everything you need for the for your portfolio that did take some time, but that wasn't quite as challenging as actually studying for the exam because the body of knowledge is very vast and not knowing what to focus on so just having to spend eighty a hundred hours like olivia and and matt said um that's really what was the most challenging for me, but if you put in the hours to study, taking the exam wouldn't be a power man. You would definitely come out on top.
7: Great, and Shannon? Yeah, so the test was a challenge. Um, Taking the test was a challenge, uh, even with the preparation, Um, but you know when it's coming, it's once every six months, and if you sort of uh, decide, okay, the winter session, I'll sign up, and I'll take the time and study and do it, Um, that sort of, that's the first big hurdle, I guess. Uh, Um, once it's over, it feels pretty great. And I, I feel like the, um, you know, the bulk of the work has been done and in a way it, it's, it's also been good to sort of visit those topics that the person that never studied geography or some related disciplines of GIS in school, um, or at work uh, that I had a chance to sort of learn about them. Some of the topics were completely new to me as I was studying. So it it was not easy, but I, I do appreciate uh, the exam and what it does for, for the process of becoming certified and for professionals. And I think it's important because GIS is its own multifaceted profession that is a little hard to pin down and has a lot of components. but It is its own thing, and I think having a test and having a certification, anything that builds GIS uh, in the world and makes this profession have more street cred, um, as as we heard before, I I think is a good thing. So, yeah. Thank you so much to
1: everyone for participating today.
0: A special thank you to our panel today for joining us. We encourage you to stop by ERISA.org.org and directionsmag.com for more great resources and great communities of geospatial professionals.